All right, you've made some kind of mistake because you've downloaded an episode of Tropical Talk Radio. Ian, you want to hit the tunes? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy, you've downloaded Tropical Talk Radio, where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, travel, and lifestyle. If you're interested in more about this program, check out tropicalmba.com. And if you sign up for our mailing list, I will personally send you 50 free podcast episodes that take you along on our journey and expose the insider story on how we started a million-dollar, honest-to-goodness product business while we traveled the globe. All right, Ian, last week's episode got a lot of comments, a lot of emails. Let's read some of them. Haters going to hate. I don't know why a blogger like you is so hung up on advising people not to blog. Sure, it's not for everybody, and for the most part, it's not a profit-generating activity. But I don't think people want to hear that from a blogger. No, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. I think they need to hear it from someone that's on the front lines and is seeing... Seeing good men go down on this one, right? <laughs> I like that. It's a war field out here, man. And you know what? I don't agree with a lot of the things that people say like, you know, blogging is not really a business model and blogging is not really a profit activity. Are you serious? Bloggers are crushing it. But you got to take a serious business approach to it. And that's what I mean. Blogging is a business model that allows you to um, – can can – embrace the resistance part of you, the part of you that doesn't really want to do the hard things that are required uh, to run a successful business. You know, doing things that are valuable in the world are, for the most part, quite difficult. you got to put up with a lot of crap. And with blogging, you can avoid it and instead seek out tweets and comments. Now, on the other side of it, if you treat your blog like funnel, we're not talking about just writing for fun, are we? I'm talking about buy now blogging, man. So I, I just want to say um, to this commenter, obviously they haven't listened um, to a lot of our stuff, which is totally cool. But I just want to clarify, if you're listening again today, listener, first off, I love the comment. And second off, I want to reiterate how much I love blogging. I love blogging for business, but I want to set the bar high so that people know that when you get into the game, you got to get in for real and that it's no joke out there and that you could be wasting your time getting amateur-style feedback, getting pumped up about tweets and stuff when what you're really doing is putting off the opportunity for you to build a business that's going to give you the lifestyle, the personal freedom, and the fulfillment that you're looking for. Or, yeah, or not. Or not. You could not be looking for. Because we got another commenter that says, uh, <laughs> it's so depressing. You guys basically say, Kevin says, uh, don't start a blog unless you're 10 times as good as uh, SEO Moss. Which isn't actually a bad idea. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I think the world needs that. Jake Reed, uh, he says, it depends. Gary Vee says you can start a business on anything you're passionate about. Um, yeah. Both have great businesses. Okay, the problem here with what you're saying here. I'm passionate about rolling out of bed in the morning and writing a blog post that comes to my mind. No, you can't. doesn't work. <laughs> here's the problem with that, Jake. I, and here's where I think uh, there's a little bit – here's a fallacy here, right, is that uh, Gary V didn't really start a business off blogging. Gary yeah. V started a business off uh, wine. So he's in the wine business. He started a wine blog, a wine show. That's what he's blogging about. And then, yes, of course, he has my Gary V. These are my yeah. thoughts. Everybody wants to hear what Gary V. thinks because Gary V. has a $60 million company. Nobody wants to hear yeah. what Gary V. $0 company has. I want to hear about what, what kind of underwear Gary V. wears. Yeah, I want to wear that shit. What kind of car does a $60 million person drive? That's hey, what I want to know. What's, what breakfast cereal does he eat? Right. So Gary V. telling you that you can write about anything you want, monetize anything you want. Gary V. not living that. Okay. Well, the other thing that Gary Vee stresses is the hustle. 
Right. And that's the thing. Like, you can start a blog and make tons of money off of it. By the way, let me just refer you to some fine articles written at the Tropical MBA. How about 100 monetizable blog topics? If you come to me and say, Dan, I want to write a blog based on one of those monetizable blog topics, I'd be like, boom, that's an excellent startup idea. That's how you should roll. But you got to be like Gary V too, getting on the cold calls, calling advertisers, trying to hustle up money for that. You know what? I have this theory of blogging, Ian. So, the, so, so some people saying we're hating on blogs, hate, 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 but we're actually not. We are huge supporters of blogs, obviously. But I think you got to – one of the ways I, I like is this sort of you're the center of the wheel as a blogger. So what a lot of people do is they like blog, 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 and then they put up an affiliate sales page for their like resources or whatever, and they hope that once they get enough traffic, people will click through. Right. Eh, bad strategy. What you want to do is use your blog as a vehicle to put yourself in the center of an industry. So you know, we were just talking to a guy. We're talking about authority blogging. That's authority blogging, but that's also putting making yourself an authority personality. Today we were talking about there's maybe an opportunity to create a blog about private label rights content on the internet, right? So you could potentially put yourself in the position where you're interviewing all the top CEOs of all the companies that do PLR content, right? Like that's how a blog is going to get you into the center of an industry, get you a connector, and then you're going to be able to put products out because people are going to respect you. You see what I'm going so, with this. So you're saying a blog can be a sales tool. I know it's a radical concept. Huh. I'm saying that if you wake up in the morning, because here's, here, well, here's where this is coming from. P.S. What created the association with lifestyle design equals blog in people's minds? What created that association? Uh, I think a lot of people were probably talking about lifestyle. I can think about some OG gangsters, right? Some original gangsters that were talking about lifestyle and they were talking about how they make money from the road. I got to like cough that. my coffee. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Right. Here's the thing. I hang out with lifestyle designers, quote, unquote, people that have a laptop and, and a dream. I, I hang out with these people all the time, and these people are not bloggers. So I think it's kind of like it's a self-licking ice cream cone a little bit. It's like it's, it's, um, it, it's a correlation versus causation kind of thing. Like, of course, bloggers are going to be more likely to advocate blogging as a strategy to, to have to have that happen in your life, right? Yeah. But lifestyle designers, the people that are out there traveling, they're not writing blogs. Primarily. They're not making income based off of blogs. Primarily. Now, that said, part of the reason I'm so pumped about blogs is because I think they're a huge opportunity. I think still personal publishing, you're, you're not too late. This is the best time ever to start a blog. I see so many opportunities. There's not enough people who like, you know, we've all like read Chris Gillibo for a few years and Zen Habits and stuff. And, and like we're like kind of the first generation of, of people that are kind of coming up on blogs, right? Right. And what we need to do is take that fundamental knowledge of how those things work and apply them to traditional industries. Yeah. That, to me, uh, and to help revolutionize them, to become a journalist within, to become a, a trust agent within those industries, that, to me, is the opportunity. Yeah. That's the opportunity. I agree 100%. Don't tell me, I mean, we just don't need to hear about your travels unless that's a pure hobby. That's pure. a pure hobby. And you're making $60 million, and then I'd like to know where you're wearing. Exactly. Pictures. I want to know what kind of underwear you're wearing. Send me a picture of your underwear. Yes. All right. So we got um, – we're kind of been caught up on this idea. Uh, we've been trying to write this book that's been utterly failing for a lot of reasons. It's been called The Age of the Micro Multinational, which is what we feel like we've been creating lately. And we've been calling ourselves – not ourselves, but like our group of folks kind of like mini moguls. Yeah, there's this new idea that's emerging or this new time in our lives that's emerging. Where And so the reason we bring this up, there was an article written about it recently. Uh, it's called The Rise of the Global Small Business. And we we are shall part of, see. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we're part of that revolution, I feel like. Uh, we're a growing group of companies that have, you know, 10 to 20 people that can self-organize or that are... We're virtual. Virtual. Right? We're, we're spanning multiple jurisdictions. You know, where we're going to set up is going to be a real issue for us. Um, where our employees are. Well, let's just go over the seven points in the article and give some of our um, um, our feedback on those points. But at the risk of sounding overly douchey, yeah. at the risk of letting the douche level go off the charts, it might. when we refer to ourselves as micro-moguls, maybe we could talk about that term a little bit more. I think okay. people running these global small businesses, even if you're a solopreneur, you'll notice that it's in particularly difficult to describe what you do. And Tim Ferriss was the first person to kind of touch on this in a broad way. But like right. if someone asks you what you do, it's, it's kind of a problem because like the, the guy who runs the auto repair shop or the guy who has a Honda dealership, he can pretty legibly describe what he does because his day is fulfilled with running of, of a Honda dealership. Right. Whereas if I ask you what you were doing, I mean, we just... Well, it's easy for me. I don't do much. So right. Zero. Drink yeah. tea. But uh, I talk into a microphone. But if... If, if we take a look at the brands that you manage on a daily basis, we're talking about six brands, six different industries, six different customer service teams, six different infrastructures. And what's interesting about that is to be, you know, right now I'm happy to announce that our company is officially at a $2 million run rate. Can I say that? Can we get an applause? Uh, I don't think we have an editor <laughs> for this show. <laughs> we, we're, we're, we can't afford to get the editor, but, but that's a pretty stunning accomplishment for us. So back to your point, though. Here's the real problem. Is but the it's idea kind is of a cool but, thing. But like, that, look, if you're running a Honda dealership at $2 million, you're still running that. Like, uh, Part of the thing is like these old school small businesses, um, if you're at $2 million, you got like 50 employees and you're rocking one thing. Yeah. But you got 10 employees, six brands, and six infrastructures at $2 million, and you're, and you're spanning five different countries. Yeah, and we were talking to John Myers the other day in the D.C., and we were laughing about this in, in the cab ride. We're in Vietnam, and he's like, well – what do you what do you tell people you do? He's like, oh, I just you know I just tell my work on the internet, and make some apps or whatever. That's like one fraction of what John does, and the reason he does it is because it's hard to comprehend this new wave of businesses that are emerging. I have a man crush on on John Myers, but if, cool if, if you're going to find um, some legibility to this, the reason we're using the term mogul is that what we how we spend our days is actually not unprecedented. We spend our days much like people who run large holding companies would spend their days. Kind of like maybe Richard Branson spends his days. Yeah, to be honest, like I've read his books and I feel like although I'm not doing stuff that's as cool as big, my workflow is kind of like his. It's a lot of like coming up with marketing, strategy, um, managing teams across a broad range of brands, considering like what the new brand is going to be, what the new acquisition is going to be. I mean, I don't think that Small business entrepreneurs used to spend their day like that. That to me is what's so, – so when we say mini mogul, it's like the bar for, for having that mogul type of lifestyle has gone down. And that's what we're seeing with everything. Yeah, like and The we're cost still, of everything in business is just dropping through the floor. Yeah. The cost of travel, the cost of, the cost of internet, all this. And we're still like kind of reaching I think for this, this term, what this term is going to be. I'm not sure if mini mogul hits it, but that's kind of the idea. So we're bringing this up and we're going to share these seven points and just talk about them because I'm – you know, Ian and I are so excited about this idea of the the, the micro multinational, but we're not sure where it, where it goes. Right. So, number one point in the article here: the leisure industry will boom. I, I agree with this. I think that uh, since people will be able to travel, um, they'll be able to go to hotels, resorts, casinos. You know, one of the things is uh, we're at TMBA 
number two here right now. And I was talking with Eric of Bedphones.com. Very cool product. The bomb. Yeah, and uh, we were doing, we we're working out his numbers, figuring out how much he's spending uh, every month to live in New York City, and it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And the truth is, Eric can live anywhere in the world now because he's got a virtual business. He's on the internet. New York City, aka the world's largest coping mechanism. That's right. So really interesting because Eric is manufacturing product, uh, physical product, and yet he can still live anywhere in the world. It's baller. So I do think that we will see a rise of people uh, living anywhere they want in the world. And I don't know what that's going to do to the prices of uh, New York City condos, but that definitely is going to open up a world of resorts. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, we find ourselves in these damn things every other month. I mean, and, and why not when you've disassociated yourself from your office? Number two, global mail and call forwarding services. We talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Obviously, um, stuff like Skype. Uh, stuff like grasshopper.com, absolutely critical to what we're up to. Yeah, we first uh, started to use Grasshopper um, because uh, we were traveling a lot and also because we had different locations for our different businesses and we had different businesses. So I do think that you'll start to see more of Grasshopper and you'll see more uh, voice over IP for people out of the country. Right. Global couriers. Now, maybe the more interesting point about this, the guy who wrote this article might not be a business guy. He might be a business guy. I don't know. But you were talking a lot about this drop shipping directly from China. I mean, this is something that everybody's pumped up about. What's that mean? I mean, this is quite similar. It's like the, the, the interconnectedness of the world is getting faster. So rather than having to ship goods into a warehouse in the U.S., you're just going to be d- d- directly drop shipping from a, a warehouse in China. Is this going to happen? Well, I'll tell you the first thing that's going to happen because this is what Amazon is doing is they're creating fulfillment centers that you can actually pick your goods up from or you can actually get within one day. So strategic yeah. uh, fulfillment centers that you can get your products in one day. I mean, that's going to change everything because as a consumer, when you want something, you usually want it. We've been, uh, you know, we're, we're doing okay with the Amazon model two to three days. Everybody's living with it. It's great. But same day, that's amazing. Um, the idea that you're touching on here is uh, Asian products or Chinese products in America. I think it will happen. Basically, the idea is that um, Chinese manufacturers will start to put some of their product in American warehouses, and like companies like Shopify and whatnot will interface directly with their inventory, uh, I see. and then you'll be able to order. So it's it. like sort of the enterprise level fulfillment. Yeah, exactly. Right, so it'll basically enable people to try and compete with Amazon and stuff like have more of a just-in-time inventory. Yeah, yeah, I think that would probably happen. Very cool. So this is actually turning into a bit of an opportunity episode. If you're looking for business opportunities, there's a lot of stuff in here. Speaking of opportunities, how about members clubs? This is kind of interesting because the author says people need a place to meet and do business without the need for a full office setup. Yeah, I think that's going to be crazy. Um, you are yeah, I'm sorry. I'm blowing, okay. blowing up over here. Blowing up. Uh, you know, there's every city in the U.S. that I can think of. Uh, San Diego, I know there's, um, and I was hearing Chicago the other day. Co-working spaces are yeah. popping up all over the place. Cafes are changing their policies to accommodate dudes like us. Remember when it was like a militant attitude like three years ago? It's changing so fast. And also, you know, we were talking about setting up a like sort of a, a membership tropical MBA. We should actually do that here. Wouldn't you know, that be cool? That would be cool. And I, I think this, this could We're work. putting a pool in. Yeah, we are putting a pool in here. <laughs> One idea that I have about this too, and this is actually something I haven't talked to you about, so this is the first time you're hearing it right now. Expose. But uh, we have an office in San Diego, and that's where our guys and our gals hang out. And uh, a couple people have approached me that are living in Asia, and they say, hey, I need to hire a rep in the United States. I want them to go to an office every day. 
have some kind of um, routine. So it's like reverse. Yeah. What do you wow. think about that? I love it. Yeah. So it's and like we've been doing it with our warehouse too, by the way. Yep. Why don't you put that offer out on the podcast? Like, who would be the ideal client for our warehouse? Um, so we got a guy now that uh, manufactures T-shirts in uh, Thailand, and basically the deal we cut with him is he imports his T-shirts into our warehouse, and then we run a second shift that night. We send out his T-shirts. So anybody that's interested, because here's the problem with warehousing is that there's these third-party logistics warehouses um, where you can keep your pallets of stuff and then they'll do your um, shipping and receiving for you. Right. Most of these third-party warehouses cater to large, large companies. Um, I haven't, and I've heard the same thing over and over, is that they don't cater to small to medium-sized businesses. Correct me if I'm wrong about this, guys. Send me somebody that does, but everybody says that. I've heard that time and time again. And this is what we're talking about. This is actually... Yeah, this is very fascinating because while we're talking about these, this is a big growth sector, you know? This is why I'm so pumped up about offshore business, right? Because it's just an incredible growth sector. Everybody's going to need this stuff. Just, I mean, Ian and I are the first examples of if you, if you put a dipstick in a rising sea of sludge, even the dipstick will go up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Prosumer AV equipment. This is actually kind of cool, and we've been talking about this because we were going to get into the camera stabilizers niche, right? Yes. All right. We didn't ever do that, did we? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, You know, global small businesses rely on the ability to communicate with customers all over the world, right? We all need the SLRs. We all need, you know, the tripods. We all need this kind of uh, high-end computing to to do this kind of stuff. So that's obviously an opportunity. How about this? The next one, I love this, tax Clampdowns. Get ready for the day when more and more Western governments d- demand that you pay taxes on income earned everywhere in the world. The only one that does it right now, well, you know, America does it indefinitely. There's a lot of other countries that really make you prove you have a foreign residence. But, you know, everybody knows that I'm super bullish about this one. That's why we love talking with David at Greenback Tax Services because he helps expats file their taxes. And it's really difficult for expats to file their taxes. This is a huge pain point. And the amount of people that are going to be faced with these problems is growing massively. So is David's business. So is this niche. So is this opportunity. Do something about it, people, because I want to be your customer. Yeah, that's right. And I think people are working on it. Uh, The U.S. government is also working on an uh, Internet-based tax, so I'm sure uh, that's an initiative too. Let's talk about this because I think this author is a Marxist or something. The final point, weakening middle class. In the next 10 years, a lot of money will move towards the people who get it. Like Ian, like dick, dip, I get it. Dipstick number one over here, and dipstick number two, we get it. Quote, and they will find it easier to avoid tax. The middle class will thin out and be shorter with more and more of the debt and taxes. Yeah, I don't know if that's that's going to totally be the yeah. outcome of what's going on here, but yeah. I do think that uh, more factory jobs will disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be creating information factories. That's right. That's that was your nickname back in high school. By the information factory. All right. So any news? Any. Any parting words uh, before we uh, – it's Friday night. It's late. Got anything to leave everybody with? Having fun at the Tropical NBA so far? Having a lot of fun at the Tropical NBA. Our buddy Matt Kowalik is showing up tomorrow with his business yeah. partner, Jamin. So uh, looking forward to seeing them. Real quick, let's reiterate the internship opportunity that Matt has available um, for listeners of the Tropical NBA. Yeah, so Matt is uh, – if you didn't hear the Tropical NBA this week, Matt is a manufacturer of textiles, high-end textiles mainly – 
in China, and he was looking for somebody to manage their online presence, uh, somebody to go to the factories with them, take videos, yeah, uh, basically blow up their company online. Matt is doing awesome, and you should see his website. It's like you know Matt's a good business guy when you see his website, and then you understand how much money he's making. <laughs> One of those. So, yeah, Matt is totally. Well, I think Matthew it. Newton said it like really nicely. He's like. There's a lot of upside potential in Matt's business. <laughs> yeah. you know, so absolutely. And Matt's an awesome guy. I'm looking forward to him coming. And he's put out an awesome offer out there. Yeah. So. And so much for us not doing internships, right? We got two on the on the docket. Yeah, I think we got another one coming up. We got another one coming up, so stick around. TropicalMBA.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next Friday night for happy hour. Cheers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at tropicalmba.com. Get yourself signed up and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. Plus, give you those 50 free podcast episodes. If you want to say, hey, check me out on Twitter at tropicalmba. We'll see you soon.